Luke chapter 19, verses 1 through 10. We've been doing a series on evangelism, and we've been talking about we are the church. We are the church and our tagline, and he's coming for us. We're the church, and he is coming for us. Luke chapter 19 says this, And Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. A man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was wealthy. He wanted to see who Jesus was, but because he was short, he could not see over the crowd. So he ran ahead and climbed the sycamore tree to see him. Since Jesus was coming that way, when Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must go to your house today. So he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. All the people saw this and began to mutter. He has gone to be a guest of sinners. But Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, Look, Lord, here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor. If I have cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. And Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, because this man too is a son of Abraham. And here's our key portion of the scripture today. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. Father, we pray that you would add a blessing to the reading of your word. I ask you today, Lord, that you'd give us ears to hear what the Holy Spirit would speak to us. I pray that we would not hear my words, but we would hear your words. I pray we would not hear my heart, but we would hear your heart. And you would open us up to receive and allow your word to transform us, to transform our minds, to renew our minds, to think like you think, renew our vision so that we can see like you see, and to renew our hope so that we can believe what you have said, Lord. And we ask this in Jesus' name and to expect good from you. In Jesus' name, amen. Because of our interpretation of Scripture... Because of the way that we look at Scripture and think of Scripture, here at Lighthouse, you will hear us talking a lot about the importance of seeking the Lord, about taking the initiative of pursuing God wholeheartedly. And it is important that we speak about that. There's a lot of places that maybe because of their interpretation of Scripture, they won't put such an emphasis upon you seeking the Lord and me seeking the Lord. It's important that we speak about that because if we go back to the book of Genesis, we see how man responded after the fall. And it would seem that man's natural default setting, it would seem that man's natural inclination is to hide from God. That man's natural inclination is to run from God or to avoid him. Because whenever Adam sinned, the first thing he did is he took off when he heard God coming. He tried to run and he tried to cover himself up. And so it would seem that how there's default settings on our computer and on pieces of equipment. It would seem that man's natural default would not be to pursue God. But man's natural default would be to try to hide from God 
or to try to cover themselves up or to try to look good or oftentimes not to be seen by God. I just don't want him to see me. I don't want him to see what I'm doing. I don't want him to see where I'm at. I, don't, I really don't want to face him. If that's man's natural default, it's good to know that. But it's also important for me to tell you what God's natural default setting is. It's good to know what man's natural default setting is, but it's good for you to know what God's nature is as well. His nature is to seek. Churches talk about being seeker-sensitive. And that means whenever new people come in, we want to have signs up and we want the building to be aesthetically pleasing and we want to have nice visitor parking for people and we want people to be there to welcome them and we don't want to do things to turn them away so that they can't hear the gospel. But I want you to know that the greatest seeker is not some person who walks in the door. The greatest seeker of all times is the Lord Jesus Christ. Because for centuries, he has been seeking after mankind. What we find is that man's nature was to run and to hide and to cover himself. And when we look at Genesis, what do we find? That God comes down in the cool of the day and he starts calling out to him, Adam, where are you? Adam, Adam, where are you? God sees everything. He knew where Adam was. But yet he still calls out to Adam. He still seeks after him. He still pursues him. Jesus makes this very profound statement. That the son of man came to make you happy. To make you prosperous. That the son of man came. He said that the son of man came to seek and to save that which was lost. That's the purpose for his coming, is to restore men and women who are far from God back to him. God is continually on a mission. Listen, he is continually on a mission seeking after those who are lost. Let's just take a minute and praise him for that right now. Hallelujah, Lord. He is continually seeking the lost. The thing that we sometimes is because of our theological bent, we put a lot of emphasis upon what we do. We put a lot of emphasis upon our witnessing and sending out missionaries and making sure that we have the right programs in place and a lot of the right things in place. And that's wonderful because we have a part. But unless the Spirit draws them, no man can come to the Father, the Scripture says. Aren't you thankful today that God is continually, He's continually pursuing your loved ones. He's continually pursuing that hard case that you say, I don't know if he'll come to the Lord. God is continually pursuing them. He's continually seeking after mankind. And not just mankind, he continually goes after the one. Again and again through Jesus' teaching, he talks about the good shepherd. Now, was he talking about a pastor? Hopefully a pastor emulates the good shepherd. But he was illustrating for us the heart of the father. The heart of the father is that whenever he has the 99 sheep and there's still one lost, that he leaves the 90 and 9 and he goes out into the middle of the night and he will not rest until that one who is lost is found. 
And so today, friend, I want to assure you of this. God is at work. Whether you perceive it or whether you see it or not, that he is constantly on a search and rescue mission. If we could see through the eyes of the Spirit, we would see, you notice sometimes there's those, if you've ever seen the, whenever there's someone lost at sea, they'll have these planes going over, helicopters going over, or boats going around with searchlights looking. And sometimes we say, well, it's been too long, they've called off the search. I want you to know that he's never called off the search yet. He never grows tired. He never grows weary. He never has to go in and fill up again with energy or with fuel. He is continually seeking out those who are lost. He is continually pursuing after them. The typical religious Jew of Jesus' day hated guys like Zacchaeus. Tax collectors were notorious in Jesus' time for being traitors because they worked for the occupying force of the Romans. They were also known as immoral people because they made their living off of stealing from their own fellow citizens, their own people. And so not only did they, you know, you think people don't like the politicians today. Some of us, when we pay our property tax and your real estate tax and your income tax and tax on everything, they were notorious the tax collectors of that day, they would live high on the hog. They would overtax people. They would abuse people. And they overtaxed others and got rich on the backs of their fellow Jews. They were also known to hang out with the less desirables of society. They would have been the rich jet set known for their immorality. So when Jesus came walking down the road and he calls out to Zacchaeus, Zacchaeus, Come on down, I'm coming to your house today. How many of you remember that song? Most of us know the story of Zacchaeus because he was a wee little man, right? And a wee little man was he, yes. You know, you can ask anyone who grew up in Sunday school, what kind of tree did Zacchaeus climb up? He climbed up a sycamore tree. Why? For the Lord he wanted to see. Yes, we'll break out into song with that. Jesus said, Zacchaeus, come on down because I'm coming to your house for a visit. Many of the Jews who were nearby who were watching were offended by this. But they didn't know that that is what the Father does. Jesus says, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Whatever you see me do, I've learned of the Father. And so when you're looking at me, when you look at my actions, you will see what the Father's heart is and what he is like. So these Jews are offended because Jesus goes to the home of a tax collector and has a meal with him. They're offended by that. But in reality, Jesus is simply showing them and showing you and I what the heart of the Father is. That he cares. That he cares for the forgotten. He cares for those who are, many would say, they're too far gone, they're too hard. Many would not look at them. It's funny how quickly people forget where they come from. I pray that in your relationship with God in the church, I pray that we as the church will never forget where we've come from. Five years, ten years of living for the Lord for some people can make them forget what they used to be and where Jesus rescued them from. Give it another 10 years or another 20 years, and and after a while, people become almost completely cut off 
You know, they've cut off their old friends and they started a new life, as it were, but they've forgotten what Jesus rescued them from. Friend, I hope you can always keep in your mind a vision of the miry clay that God picked you out of. I hope that you can always keep a vision in your heart that you were once lost and he came after you. You were once in darkness. Your heart at one time was hard against God. At one time you were an enemy of God and yet he pursued after you. So please, let's not get an arrogant attitude in which we forget where he brought us from. Where did he find you? It's always ironic to me whenever people, you see him now and you see that, you know, how they've grown and you've seen the great things that God has done in their life and the difference and the change that Christ has made in their life. But you know, it wasn't too long ago when they were a completely different man or they were a completely different woman. Aren't you glad today for the grace of God in your life? Aren't you glad today for godly men and women who simply yielded themselves to the Holy Spirit and allowed Jesus to transform their life? Let me ask you, what did you change? Did you really change that much? Or was it the Spirit of God that was at work in you? In reality, what it was is that you simply yielded yourself to Christ and he came in and took up residence and the whole atmosphere inside of your heart changed because he was there. So oftentimes it's easy for us to forget where we've come from. The Jews were so very proud of their heritage, tracing it back to Abram. But let me remind you that Abram was the son of of an idolater. Joshua chapter 24 verse 2 says, Joshua said to all the people, this is what the Lord, the God of Israel says. Long ago, your ancestors, including Terah, the father of Abraham and Nahor, lived beyond the Euphrates River and worshipped other gods. Abram's father was an idolater. He worshipped a variety of other gods. We don't know exactly which one. Yet in spite of that, one day God showed up and he starts speaking to Abram. We don't see that Abram fasted and prayed for 40 days. Abram did all of these, quote, religious things or spiritual things to come to God. We find that God came to him and God spoke to him and God appears to him. In Genesis chapter 12, it says, the Lord said to Abram, go from your country, your people and your father's household to the land I will show you and I'll make you into a great nation. I'll bless you and I'll make your name great and you will be a blessing and I will bless those who bless you and whoever curses you, I will curse and all people on earth will be blessed through you. So Abram went as the Lord had told him. Can I prophesy to you today? Can I prophesy to you to get ready? Because God's going to show up in some unexpected places with some unexpected people and surprise them and radically transform their entire life. It's important to witness. It's important to send out missionaries. But I want you to realize that God is already at work. I want you to get that in your heart and your mind. God is at work. And it's just important for us just to hop on to what God is doing. We think we got to make everything happen. Friend, when God is at work, we just want to get in line with what he's doing. Father, what are you doing today? You don't have to come up with... And I don't have to come up with the whole plan. The word of God says this. 
unless the Lord builds the house. As a pastor, that's one of the challenges that we face. And, and if you talk to pastors across the country, we all face that same challenge. We want to make something happen. We have a desire to see God move. We have a desire to see people's lives change. You would not be in this line of work if you did not honestly desire to see God touch people's lives. And I know across this congregation, there's people who have this desire in your heart to see God touch your community and to touch your family and to deliver your friends and your loved ones and to bring about his kingdom. And in the midst of that, I want you to hear this. We don't have to make it all happen on our own the word says this unless the lord does it we're just laboring in vain unless the lord builds the house unless the lord does the work you and i are simply going through the motions but it's glorious to know that this that we can be partners with what god is doing because he's working and he invites us He invites us to come alongside and to be a part of this work that he is accomplishing. I want to direct your attention to the sovereignty of God. That he, by his Holy Spirit, is moving throughout the land. That many of you even have testimonies in your life of God speaking. One of the things that always encouraged me as a young person, one of the things that encouraged me was before I was born, Mom had a dream and the Lord gave her my name and gave her scriptures about me. And so those times when I couldn't believe in myself, those times when I didn't think I had what it takes to even be able to be a follower of Jesus, those words that mom spoke, she'd say, Steve, the Lord gave me your name. And she'd quote this scripture from Isaiah to me. And uh, those, those types of things in a person's life that he knew us by name. I knew you by name and I called you your mind. When you pass through the waters, they won't overtake you. When you pass through the fire, it's not going to burn you. These scriptures were this understanding of God's been at work before we were ever even born. And you think you're the only one who he's been at work on? Friend, he is moving throughout our land, drawing men into himself. God was at work, and we talked about it last week, in a guy named Saul. On the road to Damascus, when a light shined from heaven, Saul did not want anything to do with Jesus. Saul was not saying, you know, Jesus, I love you. Waving his hands and singing worship songs. He wasn't doing that. He wasn't a pursuer of Jesus. And yet the father was pursuing him. A light shone from heaven, knocked him off his horse, blinded him. A voice shouts from heaven. Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? He says, who are you? He said, I'm Jesus, whom you persecute. Again and again, we find that throughout Scripture, we could take example after example of the Father pursuing people who were not even really interested in him. Those who were far from him. Yesterday, Ron and I were outside. Ron was hooking up the lawn sweep to the tractor. And when you put the pin in, at the bottom, there's a cotter pin there. And I, I, I looked at that cotter pin, and I said, Ron, this is what brought you to Jesus. A cotter pin. A cotter pin brought Ron to Jesus. You say, how can a cotter pin 
didn't someone have to go bang on his door? And, and I'm all for evangelism. You know, we've touched probably 15,000 or 10,000, uh, probably 10,000 homes. I and mean, we went to thousands of homes with our tracks and the CDs and maybe 10,000, but maybe 7,000, 8,000. I mean, it was a ton of homes that we went to inviting people. But friend, listen to this. God, will, he'll use that, but he'll also use cotter pens. And Ron's story, was, and you've heard it before, his story was he's working on a piece of equipment in his shed. He loses a cotter pen, and he, he needs this cotter pen. He comes over to JB's. He pulls in. He gets the cotter pen. As he's pulling out, he sees the church. And Ron will tell you, it was like the truck kind of drove itself into the front. And he can't, listen to what? He came into an old tobacco barn. A tobacco barn. God uses cotter pins. He uses old tobacco barns. And Jesus transformed his life. Aren't you so glad that God is seeking after? Listen, he's seeking after. God is at work. Whether, you know, I mean, he is, he is at work. It's amazing if you would go around a room and, and hear the stories of what did God use for you. I remember standing at the back of a, an auditorium about 31 years ago. I was sitting in the very last row of a youth convention. The very last row. I don't remember who was speaking. I don't remember anything they say. All I know is at the end, in the midst of this service, the Spirit of God drew me. And it was like it pulled me to that altar. I still don't know who the guy who was speaking. I don't know what he talked about. I don't know any of that. But I know that the Spirit of God was at work. You know, pastors sometimes think, well, I got to get a good sermon today. and I got to have my right transitions. And, and we need to have the right music to line up with that. And, and we need to dim the lights so that they're ready and, and set the atmosphere. And I want to make sure I say all the right words and all those things. But listen, unless the Spirit of God draws them. They can't come. But aren't you so glad that all around the earth, it's not just in church that the Spirit is drawing them. It's not just from platforms and from wireless mics that the Spirit of God is speaking. He's speaking in auto dealerships. He's speaking in Mack truck plants. He's speaking in New Holland Ford. And he's speaking in all across the earth. He is drawing men to himself the reality of it is is sometimes we're just not aware of what he's doing but i assure you he is continually at work seeking and saving those who are lost ezekiel chapter 34 verse 12 says this as a shepherd looks after his scattered flock when he is with them so i'll look after my sheep I'll rescue them from all the places where they were scattered on a day of clouds and darkness. And skip me down to verse 16. I will search for the lost and bring back the strays. I will bind up the injured and strengthen the weak. This is speaking of God calling back Israel, but it's also speaking of God calling back his chosen people, the church. There's those who have, he foreknew. Those he foreknew, he predestined to be conformed into the image of his son. Aren't you glad that God knows from the beginning of time, he knows, he knows those who he has called to himself and he's continually calling out to mankind. 
John 3, 17, we know 16. 17 says, for God didn't send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. He did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, that the world through him, some versions say, might be saved. And friend, one day he's coming back for his bride, the church. The Bible says that he's coming like a thief in the night. That no man knows the day nor the hour. But aren't you glad that he's coming back for you and for me? The word says that he's coming back. This is how he describes his church. He describes his church as a glorious church without spot or wrinkle. And we sing the song, Washed in the Blood of the Lamb. We say, tis a glorious church without spot or wrinkle. It's been washed in the blood of the Lamb. And, and sometimes if we're honest, if you look around at the church, we say, Lord, we have some spots and we have some wrinkles and Lord, we have some flaws and, and we have some, our imperfections. But aren't you glad that when the blood of Jesus is applied, I don't care how dark that man's sin has been. I don't care how bad the bondage has been. I don't care how dysfunctional the family has been or the difficulties that you're going through. Aren't you so glad when the blood of Jesus is applied? When the blood of Jesus is applied to our lives, that the Father sees us as perfect in His sight. He's coming for a church that's had the blood of Jesus applied. Listen, some of you may battle with sin and with temptation until the day you die. Some of you may battle, you may get up every stinking day of your life saying, God, if you don't help me today, I want to do what's right, God. I want to follow you. I want to serve you, God. But if you don't empower me, I know I can't do it. Lord, on my own, I can't do it. The pressures are too much. The temptations are too much. The trials are too much. I, I get victory in this area, and then my attitude starts stinking over here. But aren't you glad for the blood? It's the blood that Jesus shed upon the cross that makes atonement for our sins. And so we can stand before God unashamed, not standing in our own righteousness, but standing in the righteousness of Jesus. Friends, I want to direct your attention to what he does. We tell you a lot here at Lighthouse about your responsibility and your part. That's important. But without him doing his part without him empowering us, without his work, we're just spinning our wheels. But aren't you glad that it's the power of the Holy Spirit that's moving throughout the land, that God is going to accomplish those things that he's put in your heart, those visions that he's given you, those things that he said he's going to do, God's going to accomplish them because God is at work today. When I hear how he's working, I get excited. I just say, God, I just want to be a part of what you're doing. Hallelujah, Lord. Lord, let it be. And you know what? There's an aspect of this where we can kind of sit back, not in a lazy way, a confidence and with an assurance. We can go about our work, whatever God has assigned you to do. We can go about our work with this assurance that it's going to be done, that God's purposes are going to be accomplished All I got to worry about is what he said to me to do today because God's at work. Well, Lord, you know, I wish you, I'm going to be honest with you. I wish some things would happen a little faster for me. It's God's work. The things you pray about, we can rest because God is at work. God is moving throughout the land. And finally, as I said to you, he's coming back for his church. Aren't you glad for that?
He's coming back. The problem is in America, God is at work in our land. As we close, can we do this? Can we just close out our morning just with the time, however you want to do that? If it's kneeling at an altar, if it's kneeling at your pew, but just letting God let faith rise up in you that he's coming back for his church. He has children who are far from him that he's coming back for them. He's coming to rescue them. There's people who are in bondage. And the father, I'll tell you what, the father, there's people who are in bondage and the father's not gonna let them stay there. He's coming back after them. He's coming to rescue them. He's coming to deliver them. He's coming to bring them back into right relationship with him. And can we just take some time this morning and however you do it, I'm not sure how you do it, but some of you may face discouragement. Some of you may say, Pastor, I'm not seeing God do what, you know, I'm trying to do my part. And I just want you to know that the Father's at work. You can rest. You'll be responsible for what he tells you to do. If he tells you to stand, you stand. If he tells you to sit, you sit. If he tells you to speak to this person, you speak to that person. If he tells you to pray, pray. If he tells you to give, give. If he tells you to serve, serve. Whatever he tells you to do. But then you can rest in the assurance that your father is at work and he's pursuing those who are lost. And the Bible says that in the last days, I'm going to pour out my spirit on all flesh. He says in the last days, there's going to be a great outpouring of the Holy Ghost. And you and I get to be a part of that. A great influx of souls coming into the kingdom. A last day harvest while there's still time. Father, we pray today that in this room that you would refresh, that you would build confidence, that you would build faith, that those who are saying it's, I've been witnessing, but there's no sense doing it because nothing's happening. I handed out a track and nothing happened. God, I pray in Jesus' name that you would just open up our eyes and let us see the harvest that you are calling. Let us see the Zacchaeuses. Let us see the Saul's who are going to be brought into your kingdom in these last days in which we live. And Lord, instead of living a life of kind of frustration and disappointment, may faith fill our hearts and minds. I pray it would be enough faith that would say, whenever you tell me to speak, that I just simply speak. Nothing more, nothing less. When you tell me to go, that I go. Nothing more, nothing less. That I simply follow out what you lay before me. And know this, that some sow, some water. But God, hallelujah, but God gives the increase. And so Lord, we praise you for that in Jesus' name.